Welcome to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. Join Dr. Allison House of House Dental in Scottsdale and Sean Zayas, founder of Zana, a company helping dentists extend their care beyond the chair as they lead dentists deeper along the journey of authenticity to reach greater fulfillment in their professional lives and to deliver remarkable patient experiences. At the core of the authentic dentist is a belief that the answer to the current challenges in dentistry is dentists discovering that their greatest asset and point of differentiation is their personal brand and that forming that brand out of their authentic selves is the best strategy for success in dentistry today. Hey guys, this is Sean and Dr. Allison House with the Authentic Dentist Podcast. And today, I don't actually even know where we're jumping in. We're jumping into something about creating a safe space. A, a culture of psychological safety. Okay, so where, where, where did this come about? Oh, you know me, I love to read. And so I'm always looking for something to read. Um, I went to a retreat in Mexico about two weeks ago. That was phenomenal. But I picked up this book called Think Again by Adam Grant. And so I read the book going down and then coming back. And it just opened my eyes to think about the culture I'm creating at my office, the culture I'm creating in my own head, in my home, about psychological safety. So let me just frame this. Think Again is about looking at all of your deeply held beliefs from a scientific standpoint. So not from a political standpoint or a preacher standpoint, or I'm holding on to this belief because it's who I am and what I want. From a scientific standpoint of, hmm, is this true today? Because maybe it was true 10 years ago, but is this, whatever my deeply held belief is, true today? And it's a hard thing to do, to look at, we've always done it this way, and so we should always continue to do it that way. So right at the bat, when you say that, I think... Well, it, it feels safer to not have um, everything else attached to it. Like, again, like the, the filter of like right and wrong or better or worse, or like this is, you know, ad advantageous versus inferior, all these labels. And instead of looking at like, well, if I challenge this, what does that mean? It's kind of a more objective look at it instead of it being charged with, I don't know, like kind of emotions of like, well, I'm a failure if I look at it that way or if I acknowledge that. So it seems like that, that scientific perspective <clears throat> makes it easier to possibly see things that you otherwise wouldn't want to acknowledge maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the book talks a lot about uh, NASA. And so in, in NASA, there was this, um, it was in 2013, there was this man who was on the uh, space station and his helmet filled with water. And the first time it happened, NASA, Houston, decided, Houston, there's a problem, that it was just the water bottle. It was his water bottle must be leaking. Nobody checked the water bottle. Nobody, they just decided this is what it was. So they gave him a new water bottle. He went out again on a spacewalk, and his helmet filled with water, and this time it almost killed him. And so it was obviously not the water bottle. There was something malfunctioning with the suit, but because they had just decided this and not questioned it at all, that this was their belief, it must be the water bottle, this man almost died. And so then they had to go back and rethink that there was a problem with the suit. But if there was a problem with the suit, then somebody made a mistake, right? Somebody has to be held accountable for this mistake. And so nobody wanted to admit that there was a problem with the suit. So instead of evaluating it from a scientific standpoint, they felt like somebody should be blamed, somebody did something wrong. 
and that wasn't what it was at all. There was just not, nobody wanted to rethink their belief system. Nobody wanted to be accountable. So have you heard how much those suits cost? No. <laughs> okay. So oh, I almost feel like we need some fact checking, but I'm almost positive. It's like $250 million per suit. Like, like, like something that's like. I wouldn't be surprised. The technology is incredible. Yeah. For one suit. That's insane. So that's where I think there's also like this higher level of like, there's nothing wrong with this here. <laughs> like, yeah. like, so let's just blame this one engineer who took care of this and it was his fault. We'll fire him and move on. But then you've created this situation where nobody wants to come forth and say, hey, I know I built this, but I think there might be something wrong with this piece of it. Okay. So between the lines, you're reading the story, you're reading the book. So there's the specific NASA story. Then there's the overall, what Adam Grant's saying, like, where are you seeing or hearing or putting pieces together about like, oh my gosh, like I can see how something like this happens in my life, in my dental practice. Is it mainly with patients? Is it with team? Is it like, where, where did it seem well, to be showing up? The book keeps going and talks about hospitals and hospital mistakes. And so the Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist. So he's looking at mistakes in hospitals. And when there is a culture of psychological safety, more mistakes were reported. And so uh, then everything's wrong, right? Well, if you go deeper, yes, all these mistakes are reported, but how many mistakes are actually happening? So if you have a culture of psychological safety, then people report mistakes and then the system is evaluated and fixed and you're not crucified because there was a mistake made. In hospitals where there's no psychological safety, if you report a mistake, you get fired. Mistakes are not reported. And so the mistake just keeps happening and happening and getting worse and worse. And so I couldn't help but think, oh, is this happening in my dental office? You know, have I created a place where if a mistake is made, it's covered up? Or have I created a situation where a mistake is made, we bring it to the forefront and say, oh, there's a system, there's a system error here. And what is it? Immediately, as you were saying that, I was thinking about a conversation I just had with my dad um, because I was just being honest with him about, you know, a disagreement I had uh, with my wife and how afterwards I was talking to my kids. And I was like, okay, guys, um, as you probably know, your, your mom and I had a disagreement. Um, and I want to let you guys know this <clears throat> for, for two, twofold reasons. A it's like boys. The reason why we're so hard on you sometimes is because we really want you to learn this because I'm still learning something at 38 and it's painful. It's easier to learn early on. So learn this. And to my girls, I was like, Hey, when you're married to someone else, um, just know that even the man that you respected and admired your own dad had issues. So give your spouse some grace because guys were, were just kind of thick headed and dumb. <laughs> and, but, but the point of where this was coming across is I was talking to my dad and my dad's like, yeah, I, we, your mom and I always wanted you guys to know that disagreements can happen, but it doesn't mean mom and dad don't love each other. And it doesn't mean they don't love you. Whereas my mom, you know, passed away and my dad's in a new relationship he said the first time him and his spouse got in a disagreement, she was like, oh my God, like, it's over. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, that like, we're, we're not like our relationship. Like, because all of a sudden it wasn't safe in her 
her context and her world to have that type of communication, that openness. So it meant it's broken. Like, it, you know, and to him, it's like, well, no, like there's complete safety here. We're going to get through this. Like it's completely, it's fine. So it's like one, I mean, I can't not think about again, just, just parenting. Like I want my children growing up in an atmosphere where there's psychological safety, where we can acknowledge growth. We can acknowledge immaturities, insecurities, and it's not taboo and there's no shame instead of like, yeah, I can tell my childhood was probably messed up, but I don't really know because we didn't talk about it or, or we weren't allowed yeah. to, we couldn't report it. Like, so maybe there's a lot of things messed up in my family because like the hospital, we're reporting things, but at least it's out and open and we can talk about it and we can address it versus the home where everything seems peaceful on the water, but underneath there's this chaos and no one's just reporting anything. Yeah, so everybody pretends to be happy, but they're not happy. Whereas Mark and I have been married 31 years hard to believe we've been married 31 years that's yeah. amazing by the way i just need <laughs> it's to a long time. honor that but i mean that means i got married when i was 19 years old i am obviously not the same person and the world is not the same as it was when we got married we had expectations of each other but if we keep those beliefs the entire time then we're not allowed to grow we're not allowed to mature and so there had to be these moments where i'm like wait i don't like this there's something wrong here and it isn't because I don't like you. It's because, yeah, there's, we have to change something here. You have to acknowledge that, hey, maybe we shouldn't do things this way anymore. Or maybe, yeah, this worked 10 years ago, but it doesn't work today. So you have to admit those things. Otherwise, yeah, you're a blockbuster <laughs> where we're just always going to do things exactly the same, the way we've always done it, and it doesn't work. Well, I think that's the problem of linking something to identity that shouldn't be linked to identity because it's like if Kodak or Blockbuster's like, this is just the way that we are. This is who we are. Where it's like, even in a, in a personal situation, if you exhibit a, a fault or an area where you can grow, but you make it personal, well, that's just who I am. Well, then there's something wrong with you. Like you can't grow where if you just make it, Oh, like this is an opportunity for growth. It's not personal. It doesn't say I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. And because I'm committed to loving this person or growing a relationship, this is an area where I can, I can work on it and I can grow. And there's no, there's no shame attached to it. Like when I was telling my kids, it wasn't like, Hey, your dad's a bad person. And sorry guys, you just have a bad dad. It wasn't like that at all. It's like, I want to be open and honest about, Hey, good people struggle. People that are actually trying struggle and it's okay to struggle. Just learn from it and identify what's going on. And that's something you can do in a culture of psychological safety. Well, there's feedback. So I, I can take whatever feedback Mark has given me. Hey, I don't like this. I don't, it's not that I don't like you. I don't like this. You don't make it personal. Yeah. Let's analyze it and fix it. And the same thing in your office, you know, you have to allow your employees and your patients to say, I don't like this. They might say, I don't like you, but you have to say, okay, that wasn't about me though. This is about a system we've created. This is, this is the way we've always done it. Maybe it needs to be different. Maybe there's Maybe there's opportunities out there that wasn't there 10 years ago. So I was having a hard time a few years back with some um, team drama. And I remember asking you about it and you gave me such amazing advice. And I was just like, oh, this is completely oh. genius. Because I was like, <laughs> I don't know how you have a challenging conversation when some standard isn't met. And with me, it's like I'm acutely aware of the excellence in which I want things to be done. And 
reality is I'm working with other humans that don't always meet that standard. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And you're like, Sean, it's so easy. All you do is when you're talking to your team member, you say, um, we didn't get the outcome we wanted. What, what part of the process or the system is, is broken that needs to be fixed? It wasn't about the person. It was about the process. It was, it was uh, objective. It was scientific. And it allowed everyone to come alongside and troubleshoot it, diagnose it, instead of feeling like, well, if you're the reason something's broken, then that says something about you. And now you have to defend, you have to deflect. And we have to cancel you right. or fire you. But that's, then you just put somebody else in the same position and you didn't change anything else. You set them up for failure. It but, it, but it was so profound. I kept avoiding conflict because I kept thinking, well, this person isn't doing a good job. This person isn't A, B, C, whatever. And I'm like, well, I don't want to, I'm not the person that's wanting to actually go around and magnify, hey, look, you have some inadequacies or you have some shortcomings. When in reality, it's like, well, no, how, how do you, how do you grow an organization? How do you create a culture where there is safety and that's possible? It's by instituting processes and checks and safeguards so that there is a safe place for people to learn and to grow. And that's where the evaluation needs to be fixed in the system that allowed for repeat behavior to, you know, and that was just, I'll never forget you saying, do you remember sharing that with me? I don't, but, but it, I mean, I, I do try. So I'm going to share some vulnerability here. We had a veneer case scheduled to seat. I think it was last Tuesday, a week ago. And patient comes in, we're ready to seat. I haven't taken the veneers off, thank God. And I look at the veneer cement and it's expired. It's expired. We have like two hours scheduled <clears throat> out of my busy day. The patient's ready. I can't do it. I don't, I don't have the cement. How did that happen? Oh my God, how did that happen? So I was ticked. <clears throat> we told the patient, I'm so sorry. We can't cement those. I would never do that because I would be afraid that that wouldn't work. And yeah, it's, it's expired last month. So maybe, but no, not doing that. So we rescheduled the patient. The patient's very kind. Thank, I, I respect that. Thank you. But I call my team together. And I'm like, what the heck? How did this happen? <laughs> How did this happen? Well, really the whole supply ordering needed to be reevaluated. We just weren't doing a good job with that. And it wasn't that the person doing that was wrong. It was that we just together as a team had not come together and looked at the system. We had used the same system for the last 10 years and it wasn't working anymore. So we implemented some new systems, but it wasn't, I didn't need to hold somebody accountable because that wasn't it. There was, there was so many flaws in that system because we'd always done it that way. That was the way it was. I just feel like it's life-giving because even for your team, if they know something breaks, something goes wrong and right off the bat, the response from leadership is who? Now it's like, whose oh mistake was this? Oh my gosh, like I, I need to be perfect or else someday- Who's perfect? <laughs> I'm not perfect. I, I just think it's like a, I don't know. It's like, it seems like human nature to go to the who first instead of the, how did this happen? What process got broken that just needs to be fixed? And I love that because it's like, oh, wow. If they're not going to come, if they're going to have my back and have a culture of honor that like covers my mistakes, but believes the best in me knowing that, yeah, hey, I just wasn't following the right process. Let's fix that. I but want to be part difference of that team. If you've made a mistake versus the whole system was flawed. And I find more often than not, the whole system is flawed. 
we just need to reevaluate the system. And the thing is, we have a culture in our office where we reevaluate systems, and this was not looked at. How? But it is what it is. So when it comes to psychological safety, in your own mind, in what ways did did some of the things that um, Adam Grant was saying like bring illumination or insight? Um, like, is it like self-talk? Some of it's self-talk. Some of it is my reaction needs to be always, let's fix this. Not, you did something wrong, let's fix this. But I, I mean, even like with personal growth, with personal limiting beliefs, um, like, is there, being scientific about it, it's like, well, so it sounds like it's not all feely. It's not just like, give yourself grace or be understanding with yourself or give some compassion. It doesn't sound like. Well, it is all of those things. Okay. It's giving myself a lot of grace, but it's also, hey, let's look at this scientifically. This deeply held belief, is it, is it hurting me? You know, this deeply held belief, nutrition is one of the most common ones where we're keeping our nutrition goals from like the 1970s. We know that things are different. Am I eating still the same as I did before? Is that really what's best for my body, especially my body at 50? Maybe that was, maybe I could eat a lot of pizza at 25. I can't really do that at 50. So just because something was working 20 years ago doesn't mean it works today. So it's, it's not being cruel to myself. It's just, all right, let's look at the science. What's really happening here? And how do I, how do I change it? I think that's really encouraging for like this year. It's like if you don't want the same year you had last year, not, not with the good things, but with the areas where we all know we go to different events and we go to trade shows and we, we learn new things. But if I just ask someone, what's, what are three things you need to work on? Like we know it's just a lot of times we don't want to do them because it takes a lot of work or it's scary or it's just personal because we have been doing things for a long time. Like maybe it's like we have an old system, like actually a practice management system that has a lot of things wrong with it, but it's going to take a long time. Almost like the whole Southwest Airlines. Remember when we were talking about I that? I do remember that. It's like You don't some, want to fix it, but it has to be fixed. <laughs> right. Like how many times do we have something like that in, in our practice or in the inner sanctum of our own mind where we're like, man, those, those thought processes, they're not serving me. Um, those habits of sabotage, like we were talking about earlier, they're not serving me. And it's like, I can keep acting like there's another, a better day or a better year to address them. But it's like, it takes courage to just be like, yeah, I can address them now. And it doesn't mean there's, if I find something there that's scary, like almost like a skeleton in the closet, it doesn't say anything about me. Um, this is just a chance for me to look at it and go, is it serving me? Is this part of who I am? And how can I, how can I adjust? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I keep coming back to, don't be afraid. When you start feeling like a failure, be curious. What is the scientist going to say? Thank you for listening to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. To join Allison and Sean on this journey, hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Here's to your success. Express yourself fully. Live authentic.